I am here with Anna Edwin, and today we are going to be talking about how TPG was awarded the GP of North America for PE win. And there's a lot to talk about, but Anna, could you kind of start off and, and, and describe what you do at TPG, and then we can dive into some of the questions as it relates to PE win. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jordan. Uh, what do I do at TPG? So I have the privilege and honor of running, I'm the global head of talent development. So basically what that means is after employees are recruited into the firm, I have oversight over the rest of the employee life cycle. So how we promote people, how we think about our talent management processes. So goal setting, mid-year re reviews, our end of year 360 performance reviews, how we tie those things to compensation. Um, and then I also have the privilege of running all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives for the firm. How, how big is the firm? How many people do you have? Yeah, so TPG at the moment is just shy of about 900 people. So we're roughly about 860. And approximately how many are, uh, are women? So I would say across the firm, we are a little under 50% of, of, of female. Okay. And how does that kind of divide when you go into the investment side and the investment professionals between maybe junior, mid-levels and seniors? Because I think that could really open up some interesting discussion. Absolutely. So if you look at TPG's history, our last two associate classes are 50% either ethnic minority or female, uh, which for our extremely both proud um, and upset by that stat that it's taken so long for us as an industry to get there. As you go into the higher ranks, the numbers definitely, definitely um, absolutely get like smaller um, as you look at more senior women. Um, however, one of the things that we are doing is one, making sure that we have that uh, wide start at the associate level. And then we are fiercely recruiting and advocating for our female talent to make it through the rest of the talent cycle and the talent pipeline. Yeah. What does that look like? What are some of the, you know, in your experience and maybe looking at some studies or things that are out there, what do you think are the key success factors to keeping women in the, in the pipeline throughout the mid stage of their career and throughout the later stage of the career? Because it sounds like relative to the other stages, the beginning of the funnel is the easiest to fill. But what are your thoughts on kind of mid-career and late career? Like, how do you have high retention rates? I think it comes from a couple of different factors. So the first thing is, I would say at the ground level, you need to make sure that you have benefits and policies in place that are able to support women at that mid-career um, level. So for example, TPG, we recently updated our parental leave policy to allow for 18 weeks for the primary caregiver. Um, why that's important is giving women the opportunity and men, by the way, to take the time that they need to make sure that they can focus on their families, ensure that that part is set. Um, when you don't have policies in place that help support and promote that, you're definitely going to lose people who want to have a balance between the work that they do and that they love, um, while also making sure that they're able to take care of their family. We at TPG, we also have a benefit called Milk Stork. So um, especially for our investors, traveling is a huge huge uh, component of their job. We wanna make sure that they're able to provide for their children no matter where they are in the world. And so providing a benefit that allows women to store their breast milk um, and make sure that it gets home safely, I think is another huge benefit so that they're able to focus on their day-to-day -day job while also making sure that we have things in place to take care of them at home. Then in addition to that, what you need is really early, thoughtful um, and purposeful 
career intervention moments. And so you need to look at kind of the broadening and thinking forward for an employee in terms of what's kind of coming down the pipeline. And so how do you not uh, just talk about promotions the year somebody is eligible, but how do we get in front of that process a couple years ahead and making sure that they are being positioned, they are um, being thought of for creative or, uh, or, or different deals or um, mobility or stretch opportunities, whether they be inside of the firm or kind of um, pushing them um, kind of broadly speaking from an external visibility perspective, so that when the time comes for somebody's promotion, it's not a last minute, oh, we should have worked on these three skill sets, they're not eligible, they're more than ready and equipped. But that takes foresight um, and being deliberate about and being intentional about people's careers. And so at TPG, one of the things we do is we're extremely thoughtful about that process. We do a pipeline review every year to ensure that we are looking at all of our employees and especially um, our women to make sure that they are in the right seats at the right time and then primed for the right moment. How do you have that discussion with women you know, before they had the review to say, like, let's have this conversation, like, where are you going with your career, you know, at either in this field or outside of it, or with, you know, like your life trajectory, like, how can we be helpful? Like, how do you actually approach that discussion so you can retain top quality talent? Sure. So there are a couple ways to think about it and to approach it. One of the things that I love the most that we do at the firm is we have um, actually an associate mentoring program called Jumpstart. Um, and part of the reason that we created it at the associate level is we wanted people to join the firm and get already used to and acclimated to having um, somebody more senior help them guide and navigate their career. So if you start off being able to ask questions, to be thoughtful about the, the thing ahead, for our associates, they're gonna be contemplating, do I go to business school or do I kind of stay longer term at the firm? How should I be thinking about these things? If you can cultivate that early on in somebody's career, then they're used to having kind of a mentor and a guide and a buddy. And then as you get more senior along your trajectory, what's awesome is that you get the opportunity to um, leverage sponsors um, for their guidance and to help you navigate those moments um, when you could go left or go right. And you just need a, a couple of different views and opinions to think about what's best for you at that time. So when you start early with kind of a, a mentoring program, the way that we do, um, it allows you to create those connect connection points to the firm and it allows you to meet and create and broaden your internal network. Um, and by having that network, that network helps sustain you throughout the rest of your career. Um, we're also really lucky at TPG to have a talent development team in place that intervenes with your manager um, to make sure that we discuss every single employee at the end of the year. We talk about how they are tracking in comparison to their peers. What are the key development factors that are going to be important for them going into the new year? And then that rolls into our goal setting process, which we do as a firm at the top of the year, where employees have the opportunity to sit down with their managers, lay out the key three to five uh, things that they want to focus on for the year. We do a mid-year checkpoint to see have those goals shifted or changed. And then the, our year-end process, and part of the reason why we do a year-end 360 process is to make sure that you take a moment to reflect on those goals, how the year went, and connect one-on-one -on -one with your manager to ensure that your career is going the way that you would like it to. How would you describe the culture of TPG? Um, and, I, and I ask that because some people say that here are the policies and it's written down, but there's kind of this unspoken thing that you know, when people get to be 28 to 32 and they want to start thinking about maybe another chapter in their life, you know, potentially with family, that they just don't feel that the culture of the firm actually supports that and they have to make that trade-off. But I, I don't know to what extent like that has been kind of thought through within 
the firm of your size, like how do you actually address that? First of all, how do you define the culture? And then how do you kind of address that particular issue? Yeah, so I think culture is all about kind of the subtle nonverbal cues that you get when um, you're either visiting an office or talking to employees. I think when you meet TPG people, you'll find that they are smart, they are thoughtful, um, they are passionate, um, but they're human. And that's one of the things that I love the most about the firm is we get down to business. We are enthusiastic about the opportunities that our industry have for us. And we are go-getters. We're going to go after it. We're going to push the envelope. We're going to try new and different things and really push ourselves. But at the same time, we take time for family. We take time for you to be kind of a complete human because we think that if you are your whole self, then you're only going to deliver the best to all of our stakeholders, our clients, and our broader industry. Um, so I like to, to frame TPG as it's a West Coast-based firm with uh, a bit of, of a bit of a, a, a Southern heart and an East Coast swag to it. So it takes kind of, I think, all of the elements that make um, our country fantastic and combines them into this culture that allows us to be go-getters, thoughtful, eager drivers and leaders in our industry with compassion, humility, and thoughtfulness. Um, one of the subtle things that you'll notice walking around TPG office um, in terms of how kind of um, we think broadly speaking about bringing your whole self is, I always take a look at the pictures that people have in their offices, right? And so if you just have kind of your kind of deal, deal awards and logos, that's awesome. Um, but what you'll notice at TPG is right next to all of those emblems, you have photos of families and dogs and pets. And you walk into my office, it's, it's, a, it's a wall of all of my godchildren and uh, my best friends from New York. And to me, that's the character and the culture of the firm. There are, you know, candy tins on people's desks because they want you to come in, have a seat, you know, and over a Jolly Rancher, let's think about what our strategy is going to be for something. Um, and I think that's very emblematic of, of the firm, broadly speaking. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm really honored and, and um, privilege to be able to work for a firm that kind of combines the best of what each coast has to offer, while at the same time pushing us as an industry to be the best that we can be. It's interesting, like, just as you were saying that I was typing out family pictures show a culture of acceptance, like literally, awesome. as you're saying that. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> um, so let's talk about how PEWIN awarded TPG the North American GPE of the year. And I think that says a lot when, you know, 700 plus senior women in private equity, including venture, um, look to TPG as being a leader. So I'm curious, like, what does this mean to the firm to get such a you know, a stamp of approval from an organization like PEWIN? It means everything to our firm. So to be recognized by your peers is such a um, flattering and awe-inspiring moment. So one, we are extremely grateful and humble to be recognized by, by, by our peers. To, you know, PEWIN is fantastic because it combines GPs and LPs together, forming such a, 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 an incredible network of connectivity, which is so necessary in our industry. And for us to be recognized by this group of amazing, high caliber and quality um, 
private equity leaders is just uh, extremely one, flattering, and two, we take it as one, a recognition of what we've done, but a testament and a uh, kind of a, a gauntlet or challenge for what we need to do going forward. And so we are extremely grateful for this award, um, but that is not gonna take us off kind of the, the gas pedal in terms of what we know we need to do to take this industry forward yeah. more broadly speaking. And so we think of it as a, um, a great, a great applause, but also as a, a precursor to the leadership that we need to maintain going forward in this industry. And so, yeah, we love it. So talking about going forward, when you look at 2021, how would you define hitting an okay goal for, in, for women in the firm? And what do you think is a aggressive goal for TPG and being inclusive for women at all stages of their career within the firm? So I would say the following. It for us is going to be one, who can we partner with, not just for TPG internally in-house in terms of our metrics and numbers, that's going to be important. That's kind of um, the bare minimum of what we need to do. But we have a really unique opportunity given the way that our ecosystem works. And so when we think about kind of not only challenging ourselves as a firm to, of course, make sure we have the right pipeline in place for our upcoming promotion cycles to make sure that we are aggressively recruiting for key positions and making sure that we have diverse slates when we think about our talent and, and our recruiting strategy going broadly speaking. Um, but we have a unique opportunity, especially when you think about our board initiatives um, and what we've done to push board diversity. Um, we have made, you know, I think over 80 appointments of female directors on boards um, in the last two years, which is a huge accomplishment. And it goes to show that when we focus on something, we can be fantastic at it. So we're, we're not going to just kind of stop. We're not done yet with that initiative. We're actually going to take it even further um, and focusing on both ethnic minorities as well as sexual orientation to make sure that boards are diverse. And so I think that we can take the momentum um, and the success that we've had with making sure that workforces are thoughtful and equitable for women um, and taking that for one other diverse groups as well. And then two, once you've hit a mark for us, now our goal is to, to surpass it. Um, and so I wanna see our statistics to go over 50%. I want us to, to be seen as the employer of choice um, for women are in our industry. Um, and I want us to keep winning awards that recognize one, the work and the effort that we've put in, but also our commitment um, to making sure that we continue that in the future as well. So I think success for us will look like, let's make sure that we kind of keep pace with what we've done and then let's outdo ourselves and push our industry to just not, to not make it, you know, oh my gosh, you have 50%, we should be over that. And so let's keep kind of pushing forward to do so. Maybe on a kind of a slightly different note on, on your journey, when you look back at the, you know, past years of your career, what are some of the biggest challenges that you think that you faced and kind of how you got through that? And, you know, whether it's personally to get through that or the team, family or whatever that is, like, just curious to know, like, what is an example of one of the biggest challenges you've ever had and how'd you get through it? Gosh, um, I think especially in financial services, broadly speaking, 
there are just not a lot of women, one, and then two, there are not a lot of women of color. Um, and there's an intersectionality there that our industry doesn't really talk about very often. Um, and so sometimes it can get pretty either lonely or challenging or difficult to be the only one in the room. You feel like you are sometimes a voice for not only women, but for minorities. And sometimes that can make you doubt your voice or not want to be just the one. And so what's been really important for me in my career is I've had fantastic mentorship and sponsorship of people who have taken the time when I'm either too quiet on an issue or haven't said something. And whether it's a text message in the middle of a meeting, a kick literally underneath the table or stopping them to say, and I think you have something to say, um, who have created space uh, to allow me to find my voice. And what that has done is in the moments where my career was zigging when I wanted to zag, it's allowed me to find the confidence to uh, allow me to speak up for myself because I knew that I had the support um, and the sponsorship of others who were kind of leading the charge for me and then pulling me kind of um, behind them. And what that does is it allows me to do the same. And so I've been a tremendous uh, beneficiary of thoughtful people who have seen potential in me in the moments when I haven't seen it of myself. And so I know how important um, it is to have role models and to have people that are going to help support you in the moments where you think you need to figure out something by yourself. Um, and the truth of the matter is those moments are pretty rare. You usually need some advice and some guidance and you have to be able to, um, to own your space in order to make sure that you reach out to the folks who are gonna support and carry you through that. And so I've been, I, again, really, really blessed uh, and honored to have multiple sets in particular of women um, who have been vocal supporters and confidants to, to help me carve my career in a way and take chances um, that uh, maybe I wouldn't have been so primed and, and ready to take without their help. What can men be more aware of at maybe all levels to be better teammates to the women who are on the teams, whether it's on a project or in a you know management presentation, whatever that is, what are like some very specific things that we can think about? And I'll kind of tee this, I'll kind of tee this up as an example. Sometimes my, you know, my wife and I are colleagues now also. And she tends to be more introverted. And this English is her second language. And so I had to notice just to create that, because I tend to be just go faster and faster and faster. And just like just to slow down and just allow other people on the team, including, you know, Charlie and Nicole who are on the team, just like to create that space, as you were mentioning earlier, for others to think, process, and have that equal say in a conversation. But as it relates to, you know, women in finance, like what can men be consciously aware of and specifically, like what can we do to, to make things better? I like to say that great diversity management is great talent management. So the fundamental basics of being thoughtful, listening, taking, taking cues, they apply and they are even more impactful when you're dealing with a diverse set of people. And so I like to give people tangible tips. You should probably like have a post-it on your desk. Who's spoken in this meeting? Who is not in the room? 
that, that I need to speak for? And what questions could I be asking to allow others to participate in this conversation? I think sometimes when we get so enthralled or passionate in a subject, you want to vocalize your viewpoint so much. And it takes great leadership to just take a moment and pause and actually just open up the floor. And if you just open up the floor and allow other people to actually give you their opinion and just like just take a pause and a beat to allow other thoughts to come in, I think you would be incredibly surprised. It's actually not... Um, you don't need like a, a magic formula to bring women to the table. You just have to open up the table. You just have to take take a minute um, and allow people to bring their thoughts and their expertise. Um, you know, our, our country right now is in a, is in a state um, where there are a lot of um, there's a lot of mudslinging. Uh, being thrown at each other. But one of the most impactful moments that, that I, I saw in the last couple of weeks is just um, women asking you to allow them to finish their thoughts and their statements. People are, are, are asking to be heard. And I think if you just take a second to process and allow people to come to the table, you'll be uh, incredibly, um, you'll, you'll learn a ton <laughs> by listening. And you also just provide that space to let people know that they're included and they're welcome and brought into the conversation. And again, I think that applies no matter the gender or ethnicity of the people that you're dealing with. I think it's just great, a great leadership trait to be, to be thoughtful. And so if we could just all pause for a second and be a bit more thoughtful, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to see how that um, creates some parity in terms of the, the power dynamics at the table. Um. I think it was Robert Smith who basically, he said something to the effect of, I don't want to be known as an African-American private equity manager. I just want to be known as a damn good manager. How do you, I had the same question to Jerry Harmon at Avante Capital. Like, how do you balance these identities with, on one side, I just want to be known as a damn good manager, look at my returns. And other firms lean into whatever that identity is. For example, Avante Mezzani, Avante Capital Partners in LA, she said, we, Jerry told me, she's like, I was a little bit hesitant, but now where we're at in the evolution, I lean into that because that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us different. What are your thoughts on if, how, and to what extent that people should manage those identities in how they view themselves and also how they discuss that with others. Our identities are, are, are what make us us. And I think sometimes people um, think that they need to leave certain parts of their identity at the door in order to be successful. Um, and I would say, and especially at TPG, don't do that. We want you to bring your full, full self. You are an individual that has so many components and parts and um, layers to your identity. Like I like to, I like to tell people that it's about like the, the fabric of who you are. And I want you to, to bring that full self to work. Your perspectives, your background and your experiences are going to make you a smarter investor. And so I don't ever want our employees to feel that they need to hide pieces of themselves because they're not welcome in a room. They are what is going to those, those battlings of the minds, those different ways of, of upbringing or thinking about things. Um, and that healthy tension are what make us great investors. And so for us, it's about leaning into all of those parts of your identity and who you are and your composition to make sure that we bring our full selves uh, to our clients and to our stakeholders. And so That's I, awesome. you know, at least at least for me and, and, and for us at TPG, uh, we would never think about it as you need to, to separate. So my identity as a, as, a, as a black woman is part of what makes me great at my job. And I'm, and I'm proud of that. I bring that to, to bearing every day. And it's, it's not something that I would ever 
exchange or have to turn off in order to be great at my job. It's a piece of the components that make me great at what I do. Can you talk a little bit more about this idea of balancing your identity with you know, things like just performance? And mm-hmm. I, think there's, I think there's another layer here. And I'm just wondering if we can kind of maybe get a little more, some more specifics. Yeah, I'd say one of the things that's extremely important to us as a firm um, is that we are a firm that is grounded in our values. Um, And so I think sometimes in the financial services industry, people are hesitant to um, be leaders or to quote unquote, get political on issues. And I'd say one of the things that I love the most about our firm is, um, and part of the reason why I work there is that it's a combination of finding your voice and staying true and being authentic. And so we do that by standing ground on the issues that matter to us. Um, If you look at our reaction to um, racial injustice, you'll see that we we held no punches. Um, we didn't hesitate to get out there and make sure that people understood kind of where we stood as a firm and what kind of culture we were going to tolerate. Um, and I think that that speaks to kind of our, our broader stroke focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, which is we have a standard and we have a code of conduct and we're unapologetic in, in the ways in which that we support and make sure that not only for TPG in-house, but for our broader ecosystem um, that and our broader set of stakeholders that we are leaders and we provide them with the tools to also make sure that they are equipped to understand where we stand. Um, and we, we wanna do business and create opportunities for profit with people who are aligned with our our core values. And so we need to be kind of unapologetic about diving into that and having a voice and a statement in in that regard. And so as a firm, we're going to continue to, to, to stand at the forefront of the key moral decisions. They're not political for us. They are moral decisions um, as a firm and use our voice and our platform to make sure that others are are hopefully following suit with us. When you look five years down the road or 10 years down the road, what do you think are some of the key metrics for success when it comes to diversity and inclusion? And what was the other thing? I forgot the other E. <laughs> equity, <laughs> diversity, equity, diversity, inclusion? Equity, inclusion, DEI. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say this. Um, I am looking forward to the day when you check out an organization's website and you click on like who we are and it looks like who the world is. Um, And I'd say the day that we get to that where you can't just spot the, the, the one person who you assume is a woman or the one person who might be of color um, and you're actually looking at more of a mosaic in terms of your leadership um, and your firm will will be the time where I think we've actually um, kind of pushed the envelope and pushed the industry more broadly speaking. So um, while, you know, I know that doesn't give you kind of an exact statistic of, you know, when we I, I think you're spot on, right? Because but, you can yeah. go to probably over 50% of middle market private equity firms and you go to the team page, whole bunch of white guys. That's a, that's a fact. And it's interesting because I looked at um, some more firms like in the New York area. And I've been in this industry now for 15 years. And it's really cool to kind of see, actually it starts with the investment banking classes. Mm-hmm. Like, like specifically, uh, here's a great example with William Blair. When I went to their analyst training and associate training when I was at a different firm, and then it literally over a year, their entire team page, it seemed like it just got, it felt it felt completely different from the industry. Like they, they made a specific effort 
to have a diverse class. And it was, and then, you know, after the next following five years, just continued that trend. I mean, I think it's, I don't know if it's something specific. It's kind of a gut check. You look at the team page and like, does that feel like, is that more representative of, of America? Exactly. And I like, whenever any of us commit to something, we are, we are smart and thoughtful people. When we commit and we say that, you know what, let's just be purposeful and have some intentionality here. It is amazing to see what you can do. And your example of the investment banking classes is spot on and right. For so many years, people said that there just wasn't no tap. There was no diversity talent. You have to lower the bar in order to get there. And I'd say we proved everybody wrong, right? If you look at the strength of the teams, if you look at uh, the returns that people are producing now, it is because diverse voices create better environments and better ideas and better solutions for clients. And so I, what I'm hoping is that as you've seen the trend change, there is no more argument of whether or not diversity adds value. And right, it's not just the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. Um, and so as we continue to, I think, um, stake claim in the ground and say, we're going to be held accountable um, for the way and being thoughtful about the way that we do things and the way that we operate to make sure that we are leading the industry and changing. That's how you're going to see firms make market improvements. And so I want, you know, my leadership page and I want our website to to reflect um, the broad set of folks that we interact with and that we are um, held accountable to. And so for, for me, my, my job and my role in diversity, equity, and inclusion space won't be done until you click that button and it, and it, ref, and it reflects exactly who we are. And so Speak- that's going to take a while, but, but I'm ready for it. So speaking of accountability, do your LPs um, directly discuss things like diversity, equity, and inclusion? And like, is that, is that just kind of lip service or do people actually really mean that and also how would you compare today versus maybe a couple years ago or however far back your perspective goes yeah i say that the questions are getting better and so i'd say if you look back five or six years ago there was maybe like one or two questions on ddqs where people would ask kind of overall statistics um, and then over time and what we're seeing now is that the questions are, are getting more thoughtful in terms of wait tell us a little bit more about the policy Behind this, tell us a little bit more um, about kind of the progress year over year over time. And so what I'm loving and I would encourage our LPs to do is to keep asking better questions, to not just let us kind of meet the minimum, I I call it, you know, the price of entry. Um, So yes, firms should provide their statistics. They should walk you through the kind of their basic benefits and policies um, and make sure that kind of the the foundation of the house is in order. But there's something to kind of that next level of questioning. And I think LPs need to know what those questions are to really see whether or not a firm is not just giving you lip service, but truly um, creating a culture in which people are allowed to flourish regardless of, of their ethnicity or their gender. Um, and to do that, you need to, you need to ask about what are your kind of longer term, you know, development opportunities or initiatives? How do you think about this year over year? How do you think about your pipeline? You know, just asking more strategic questions in that regard. And so, you know, we, as a, you know, a, a GP are, are happy to answer those questions. Um, and we, we encourage you to keep asking them. That's awesome. All right. I really appreciate your time with this. And I think we've covered a lot of ground and probably only scratched the surface. (laughs) Agreed. All right. Thank you. Thank you.